Amen. You can be seated. Whew. Uh, great to be here with you this morning. It's my first week back after being gone on vacation. I was here, I was here last week, but wasn't uh, preaching. So huge uh, uh, thanks go out to our, our staff and people that, have, uh, that keep things going. Uh, our church did not uh, skip a beat uh, while, I was, uh, while I was gone on a much needed break. And, uh, and so yeah, just glad that you're back here with us and, and, uh, and, and hanging out. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 7. We'll be picking it up in verse um, 11. Um, I, uh, uh, you, can, you can turn there while you're turning there. I, my, my, me and my family went to Texas. I know that sounds dangerous because there's lots of infections there, but we were out in the country and we wore masks and all that stuff. So, um, and, it's, and it's been two weeks, so don't, don't be too afraid. So uh, we flew to Texas. That was awesome. Got to hang out with my, uh, my aunt and, and uncle and family uh, there, my kids got to hang out with all my, my cousin's kids, so that was a blast. It took me probably like three or four days to just k- kind of settle down. I don't know how you guys have felt, but like I, I got to the point where I was, I was go, 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 go. We had, you know, all of this stuff for live stream and trying to figure out every day with new restrictions or, or, or uh, new permission to do things. And so it just felt like decision fatigue after a while. I, I got, a little, got a little tired of it. I don't know how you're feeling, but I started to get a little tired of it. And so we, uh, we, I, I got to calm down um, after a few days, got to hang out with my family, went fishing out on this dock um, into, the, into the evening. It was so, so cool. Got to work with my uncle. Uh, a little bit here and there on, on his stuff. And um, we, uh, but we had, I mean, d- during this time of, of being off, I had like multiple times where I had car trouble because uh, I was driving from the lake to, uh, uh, to Waco where, uh, you know, Mecca for all home remodelers is, you know, uh, <laughs> where, uh, what is it, Magnolia, Chip and Joanna and all that stuff. So we're driving there and the, the car is like rolling like it's rolling on an egg. Um, is my uncle's Suburban and I was like, this does not feel like this is supposed to feel. And so I, I got there and, and I left my wife at Magnolia because I walked through and I was like, yeah, it looks like the show. All right, I'm out, you know. So I went and found uh, the one tire shop that is open after five. And this is, this is a special tire shop. Um, that is that is open that late because there was low riders as far as the eye could see, giant wheels on suburbans with really skinny tires. You know that that kind of tire shop. And I walk in as um, you know, I, I'm not sure that I fit in entirely into this crew, but uh, was really at their mercy because I had to get uh, a new tire anyway. Uh, they got it fixed up, and it was super hot. Anyway, got that got that figured out. But we got home from Texas, and that was. That was awesome. And then we left uh, for camping. And a good friend of ours let us borrow their uh, pop-up trailer tent thing. And uh, so, I mean, that, that was cool. I haven't really pulled a trailer with my Suburban before, but thought, well, it, it'll be fine. We left at like 4.30 in the evening because my wife had a, a work meeting earlier that day. So we're, we're, we're cruising. I, I am, you know, I, I drive a, a little bit fast, uh, just a little bit. But um, in any case, I... Uh, we're heading up uh, out of Pendleton, going up Cabbage Hill, and it's 10.30 at night, and uh, all of a sudden, I hear this thing that goes, pop, ding, 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 and I was like, that's weird. It feels like something just popped, 
And uh, some, I'm, I roll down the window, I'm like, babe, did you hear that? You know, whatever. And then I look down at the temperature gauge and it's doing one of these, like that. And then all of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. And then the Suburban has a safety feature that basically turns it off. So I'm on the freeway going uphill in the middle of the night and the Suburban goes off. And so I have to get over as quickly as I can. Anyway, uh, blew out my water pump. So uh, fortunately, we had good friends. So Pastor Ryan and um, Nick, who was just leading worship, and then John Brevogel all came back two hours from the lake. This is how much my staff loves me. They love me this much. And, and it's probably not that they love me. They probably love my family more than they like me. But um, in any case, drove back two hours, picked us up, all of our stuff, dropped me off in the Grand. I had to go actually put a new water pump on my Suburban the next day and then go back up and meet my family. But then uh, get down at the lake and driving home and have a flat tire on the trailer. And so and it, it's just one of those situations where I, I'm like, I, I just wanted to be like, God, haven't you had enough? Like, I mean, like, God, like, what, what do you want from me? What do you, um, do you hate me? Do, do you hate me this much? And I'm like, I had some choice words. I'll, I, I'll be honest, in, in this little gravel parking lot on the side of the road, I'm like, seriously, a flat tire. Um, and anyway, we got it got it changed out, had to pump up the spare with a bicycle uh, tire pump. Imagine how long that took, Uh, but uh, we got it done and got home safely. But I don't know how you guys are feeling right now, but maybe there's a sense in you that you're just like, hey, God, (laughs) come on, we've had enough. We're we're there. Uh, We we have reached our, our, uh, our boiling point. I don't know how you're feeling, but I've had a sense of, of weariness that I wasn't even really paying attention to. I was, I was honestly not excited about the death and not excited about all of the bad things about COVID, but you know, it, was, it was kind of a new thing for me to, to work on. And I, I enjoyed it for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden, the reality of everything's changing. Everything's changing. Everything's constantly changing. And it's probably not ending really quickly. It's, it's gonna go on for a little while. So I, I know you don't come to church to be depressed. My hope is to give you hope before you leave here. But, uh, but that's, that's kind of been my sense, just like a weariness um, in life. Let's look at the passage, and I wanna tell you um, how, how I, I think God deals with that. So uh, Luke chapter seven, verse, beginning in verse 11, says, soon afterward... Uh, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, which is a coffin, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. 
And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Now, I I want you to picture the situation in your mind. Here's Jesus. He's an itinerant preacher, meaning he travels around and he he preaches and he does some cool things. There's a a bunch of people with him, so he has like an entourage. He has a bunch of people that that are hanging out with him. They're like, dude, I saw him do this uh, you know, with this centurion servant, you know, which was the story just previous of this. And I, and I've seen him do this and I, and I, I swear he's like saying some amazing words he's teaching and it's, it's incredible. And so they're following him around. He's got his disciples and these people who are, who are with him. Imagine what this would have been like in that day and time to see a massive crowd like this, who's following this guy. And he's walking into this town called Nain. It's a no-name town. They think it's this town, but they're not really sure. And so it's probably late afternoon. And he comes into this town. And right when he's coming uh, to to the gate, what he sees is he sees a woman. She probably would have been leading the procession. He sees a woman who is coming out, and she is sobbing. She is absolutely sobbing. She's sobbing because her only son has died and she has no husband. We don't know how old she is. She could have been quite young. But here she is. There's probably all kinds of wailing going on. During that time, it wouldn't have been uncommon for people to pay for mourners. So someone who would play a flute and someone who would play and and someone who would wail, a a woman who was wailing in this Middle Eastern fashion. I won't even try to replicate that for you. But imagine the scene as this party of life meets this party of death. And think about, put it in our, in our, in our terms today, in our time. Someone very important comes into town. They're entering into town. They have all kinds of people with them. They're a politician. They're a rock star. They're whatever they are. They're, they're coming into town and people are following them and making sure that they have everything that they need. Do you need a drink of water? Do you need some food? Do you, what, what, what is it? How can I help you? That, that kind of thing. People are waiting on this, this person hand and foot and here they, they come into this town and they come up to this other party which is not happy. It's very sad. I mean, to think about it and in these terms, it is, I mean, I would feel kind of awkward coming upon this. I would, I would kind of feel like, man, I, I just kind of want to get out of their way. I want to allow them to mourn, do their thing. That's kind of maybe what you might expect, but here's Jesus. And Jesus comes up upon this woman, and as I said, she is in great distress. This is an incredibly sad scene. It's sad also, I mean, and, and we, we see that the townspeople are mourning with her. There's lots of people from this town that are all uh, with her, and they're, they're mourning alongside of her. So she, she is loved, her son was loved, and yet he's dead now. What would this have meant for her? What it meant was two things. One, uh, her husband, who obviously would have been her protector, and her financial stability and, and everything is gone. 
that alone by itself would have been close to a death sentence during that time. Meaning she would have been in this place where she would have, it, she would have been barely making it. But she's, she's lost her husband. She has no protection. She feels like everything is lost. But she, she thinks to herself and she says, you know, <clears throat> but I have my son. I have this one child. And maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but in that day and age, your retirement was uh, or were your children. Your retirement uh, were, was, was or were, I totally get confused here, was your children. And so she has this one child. This is her one hope. And yet this child gets sick and dies. I wonder what she felt like in that moment. God, do you hate me? God, where are you in this circumstance? Where are you in the midst of the stuff that I have going on in my life? Don't you see that I have enough on my plate as it is? Don't you see that, like, I mean, you, should, you, you have to take everyone from me? My, all of my hope, all of my, uh, my future you have to take from me? Can you imagine what she was saying? I wonder if sometimes we kind of feel like that a little bit in the midst of coronavirus and all of this. I don't know if anybody's tired of hearing about it, but could, could there be any more going on during this time between COVID and the mask debate and the vitriol, the political vitriol that's going on in that arena. Add to that all the protests in Portland that have been going on for 60 days. I think the last two or three nights have been peaceful. Think about all of the, that, how that's been politicized and how people are talking about that constantly. We just found out this week that our, our kids are, are not gonna be going back to in-person school. That was not a shocker. Uh, but... Uh, Nonetheless, the reality of that situation is, is setting in, especially uh, for our wives um, and single parents, especially, who need to work. Between people getting sick, people passing away, between uh, work uh, perhaps being less for you, maybe you lost your job in the midst of COVID. Maybe you have personal situations that are going on. I've said before, like things feel more intense between me and, and my wife because we're, we, we're together more frequently. We go to counseling in order to work through those things. And it, it, there's, there's a point that you just go, man, I just feel weary. And it's, it may not be as bad as this woman is dealing with, but like, I just feel weary. I just feel tired and I, you know, I'm coming back from vacation and I, and I feel like I need to take a vacation from my vacation from my vacation, as you heard. And, and, and there, I think there was a sense in the middle of that gravel, that gravel pit, whatever that was, where I was like, hey God, I'm supposed to be resting right now. Couldn't you have held that tire together? My water pump, what, whatever. 
But I, I just have this weariness, and not just because of that, but because of everything that's going on. Do you feel weary? Do you feel tired of dealing with this? I've heard over and over again, I'm over it. And I'm over it too. There's a weariness that I, I sense in my soul that like, uh, like we gotta be planning new things and going new places and making things happen. And we, uh, as, where are we going as a church? And there's a weariness there where I'm just like, I don't know. What are we doing uh, next week? I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that God called me to preach the word and to start a church, and that's what I'm doing. But I feel weary. I feel tired. And what is God thinking right now? God, do you care? Do you care about me? Do you care about the situations that I'm in? Does God care about what you're dealing with, about where, where you're at? Well, I think it's super cool what, what happens here. It says in verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. The Lord... The commentators make, make a point to talk about that, and they, they say that's the first time that he uses the word Lord, I believe. It might be the second, but it's, it's, it's important that he used it right there. That's, that's my point. Because Luke is trying to draw our attention to Lord is this idea of he's in charge, he's in control, he's sovereign, he's over all things. And so Luke says, and the Lord saw her. He had compassion on her and he spoke to her. The first thing that's important about this is that he sees her. He sees this woman. The crazy, the crazy thing is, is that, is that the God of the universe would pay attention to this woman. That he would even be aware of her existence. That he would even acknowledge the fact that she exists. That, that, he, would, that he would see what's going on here. That he would even know what's happening. As I said, he's coming in with a great group of disciples and people. There's no reason why he should have stopped and seen her. But he is a God of seeing. I don't know if you know this story from the Old Testament. But in Genesis uh, chapter 16, there's this story about Sarai and Hagar. And Hagar, or, uh, Sarai is Hagar's mistress. And Hagar gets mad and she, she runs away. And, she, and she's running and, and, and God stops her and says, where, where are you going? And she says, I'm going here. And he says, I want you to go back. And then he gives her this great promise. I'm going to give you a child and so on and so forth. And, and Hagar responds. And it says this in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. So she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. After she hears him speak, she says, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. 
The, the fact that God would see this woman in the middle of the desert or wherever she is, the fact that God would see this woman, the fact that God would see this woman who's coming out of this town and that he would even acknowledge her presence is amazing in the first place. Like just the fact that he sees her, just the fact that he knows that she's there, he acknowledges her presence. He sees this woman. And God sees you right in the midst of everything that you've going on, whether it's good or bad. God sees you. God sees me. God sees what you're going through. <clears throat> God knows and understands that. God, God, God sees what's happening in your life. Look, look <clears throat> we see that in, in the Old Testament in the very beginning in Genesis. And here we see it later on. God sees. He is a God of seeing and he sees what's happening in your life. God, do you even care, though? That's the question. Does God even care about what's going on in our lives? Does God even care about, about what's happening in the midst of your relationships? Does God even care about us? Well, it says, and he had compassion on her. So not only does he see her, but he has compassion on her. Some translations say his heart went out to her. The words there mean that from his innermost parts, from his gut, he feels bad for her. He has compassion on her. People ask the question, why would a good God allow evil? Maybe a better question is, what does a good God believe about evil? And how does he think about the people that are experiencing evil or evil? The, what does he think about the people that are experiencing death? And the answer to that question is that God has compassion on her. And this is, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is, is compassion. He doesn't just express compassion. He is compassion. I'm reading this great book by Dane Ortland. It's called Gentle and Lowly. I'd encourage you to read it. It's really great because it's just, it's talking about something that I don't think I'm good at pointing out, that I don't think I'm good at seeing, how compassionate and loving our God is, how compassionate and loving Jesus is. And what he points out is he, he says this, if you pull back the skin on the Terminator or the Stepford Wives, the UC machine, if you pull back the skin on Jesus and you see compassion. He goes through a list here. He says, this compassion comes in waves over and over again in Christ's ministry, driving him to heal the sick. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick from Matthew 14, 14. To feed the hungry, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat from Matthew 15, 32. To teach the crowds, and he had compassion on them. And he began to teach them uh, and to teach them many things, Mark 6, 34, and wipe away the tears of the bereaved from this passage when he tells her to do not weep. The Greek word for compassion is the same in all these texts and refers most literally to the bowels or guts of a person. This is Jesus from his heart. When you think about him, when you look at him, what is Jesus trying to show us? Jesus is showing us 
what God is like. What God is. God is compassionate towards you. He sees what you're going through. He knows the things that you're experiencing. And so I was talking with my counselor and I was just being honest with him and I, me and my wife were meet, meeting with him and I was just like, dude, I just feel like I don't have energy. I feel like I'm, I'm like, I've given everything and I just have nothing else to give. And it's, it's, it's hard during this season when you're, when you're preaching to an empty room. As, as somebody who speaks in front of people, like you, there's a certain amount of energy that you get from a, a crowd. There's, there's this sense there, but when there was nobody in this room, it's like, I, I, I'm having to put forth all of this energy and I felt like I gave everything that I had and, I, and I'm, I'm just losing steam a little bit. And he says, my counselor, Rich Plass says, I want you to pay attention to the weariness, to welcome the weariness, which I'm still trying to understand, by the way. But what he says is he says, I want you to welcome this into your life and just be okay with it. Just be okay with the weariness and kind of ask the question, what is God trying to teach you in these moments? So that's my question for you. What is God trying to teach you? What is God communicating to you? What is he saying? What is he saying to you? Because he sees her, he has this visceral, compassionate feeling for her, but then he speaks. What is God speaking to us, to you and to me. Well, Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same in Hagar's time. He was the same in this woman's time, in Nain. He's the same in our time and he'll be the same forever. And how is he the same? Jesus sees you. Jesus sees what you're going through. Jesus is intricately aware of what you're dealing with right here and right now. Whether you're having a great time or a bad time. Whether you're feeling a little drained like I am. Or whether you're feeling like you got tons of energy. Jesus sees you. He's aware of you. And he has compassion on you. And the, the, I think the word to us is this. And I talked with Rich about this passage. And I just said, I feel like this passage may be significant. And what, what, do, you th what do you think my church or people today need to hear from this? And he, he says this back to me. He says, do you believe that Jesus has this level of compassion on you right now? Right now as you listen to this. Right now as you hear this. 
He is compassionate towards you from his gut. He loves you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. He, he's experiencing what you're experiencing because he has empathy that goes beyond anything that we know about. He has empathy for you. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows how you're feeling right now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And right now, as you listen to this, Jesus has compassion on you. Jesus' love is overflowing for you. And the only question is this, is this, do you believe that Jesus has this level of compassion on you right here and right now? Because that is life-changing. See, we think that we change by getting things right, by dotting all the I's, crossing the T's perhaps. We think like when my life isn't messed up anymore, when I'm no longer doing this, when I'm done with this relationship, when, I'm, when I stop doing this, then Jesus will have compassion on me. But Jesus, right in the midst of your life, without you even asking for it, loves you, cares about you, is compassionate for you. And that is life-changing because our, our belief isn't just that Jesus exists, but that his love for you is so great is so pronounced, is so intense, is so amazing that he would die for you. He'd give up everything. It wasn't just something that he's accomplishing because he did accomplish something there. His death on the cross accomplishes for us salvation, justification, forgiveness, all of those things. But don't you see that that was done out of an intense amount of love. That was done out of an amazing, never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up love that is for you right where you are in the midst of your circumstances, and he has compassion on the situations of your life, on the things that you're having to deal with. The fact that you're having to homeschool right now, the fact that you're you're having to adjust things in your life. The fact that you're dealing with just stress. But you know what might, might change our lives? Is if we believe that. Why don't we believe it? Rich Plass says, <laughs> the first question is, do you believe that Jesus has this level of compassion for you right here and right now? I'm just gonna t just bring all of my counseling sessions here and I'll just preach those back to you. I should just record them and, and let you listen and be like, wow, he really told Matt, that was really good. Uh, I've got a lot of problems. Uh, <clears throat> first thing is, do you believe that Jesus has this level of compassion on you? And the second thing is, can you tolerate it? Can you tolerate his love and compassion for you? And again, we're totally stumped. My wife and I are like, all right, what do you, why can't we tolerate this? 
And he says that people in general are not used to being loved on this level. He said it's, it's hard for us to appropriate that we're being loved right now this intently and this passionately by Jesus. It's hard for us to even apply that. Like, what does that even mean? What does that look like? And then to even talk, to accept it. To accept this level of love for us. Like, why, why would that be difficult for us? Well, think, think about this. Like, how many relationships around us are based on works? How many of our relationships are based on whether we agree with each other or not? Look at our world with cancel culture, the idea that culture will cancel you if you do anything wrong at all. The idea that there is an, a, a, a being, this, this God being, who is out there somewhere, who, who loves you and will not cancel you. He, he doesn't cut off your, your pass. He doesn't kick you out of the club. He doesn't end your membership. He, he doesn't stop loving you. Like this, this level of love is intense. I mean, think about everything in our world today, as I said, is politicized from mass to whether coronavirus exists or not or how many infections there are or whatever, the protest, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, I mean, I'm forgetting some things here. But like, is there any reason for us to believe that somewhere, somehow, like this God, this ultimate being, just loves you? No matter whether you want to wear a mask or not, whether you like police or whether you uh, think that black lives matter and we should all believe that black lives do matter because they were made in the image of God just like us don't hear me questioning that in any way shape or form but our world is not based on an unstoppable love our world is not based on what this is but you were built for it you were built for it. And what's hard to believe is that we finally have it. See, God created you for complete and perfect love. God created you so that by the time that you're like five months old, you would have developed an attachment to your parents, an attachment that must be there. And if it's not there, you'll die. God created you with this desire for attachment, for a deep love. 
And as you grow and as you, and as you become uh, a, a young child and then an adult and, and so forth, you, were, you are built for love. And this is why when relationships break apart and when f- families separate and all of this stuff, this is why this is so imposing to us. This is why it's such a big deal. And it's because you were built for a love that is so compassionate from a God that sees you. You were built for that love. Do you believe it? And can you tolerate it? And the reason why we can't tolerate it is because we get it nowhere. We get it nowhere. Your husband can't fully fulfill that for you. Your wife cannot completely fulfill that for you. Your relationships cannot completely fulfill that for you. It comes from one person. Jesus, God in the flesh. It comes from God himself. And he is the one who brings about perfect attachment. He is the one who brings about perfect relationship. But if all that you and I hear day in and day out is why we should hate the other side, if all that we ever hear and listen to are fights and and arguments, political battles, and and strife, anger, and hatred. And if all we ever listen to is just whatever Satan puts in front of us on our newsfeed, and whatever social media outlet we're in, or whether it's or whether it's just the news of the day on whatever your favorite news channel is, the only thing that you're hearing is not of God. It's just an affirmation that this world is broken. And you're allowing that brokenness to just continue to feed your continued weariness. You're allowing our world to speak into you. I asked this a couple weeks ago. Who is your teacher? Men and women, Jesus is not just our teacher. He is the lover of our soul. He sees where we're at. He knows what we're experiencing. And if we're going to be a community that brings about a great sense of change, if we're going to be a community of salt and light, salt and light in in this world that is so filled with hatred, if we're going to be a community that brings compassion and love for the people around us, we are going to have to see who this Jesus is. We're going to have to experience him. And so I want to I 
give you a couple of thoughts here. One of them is to look at the biblical account of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the Gospels. Those are four stories about Jesus' life. And just read through those stories and just look at the compassion and love that Jesus has. Look how he goes towards sinners, not away from them. If you're a sinner, understand that Jesus is coming towards you. Jesus, Jesus went towards people, and I, I didn't totally talk about this, but Jesus goes towards the dead body. And normally, as a, a Jewish man, that would have made him unclean as he touched this body, this beer, this coffin. But Jesus does not become unclean. The dead body becomes clean. He reverses this. Look at what Jesus is doing in your life. Jesus comes into our lives and he makes us clean. Can't we spend more time with Jesus? The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to uh, get this book, Gentle and Lonely. It's on Audible. It's on Kindle. And I've just been listening to these chapters over and over again. Let's get into Jesus. Let's look at his compassion so that we can believe that he is this compassionate for us and tolerate the love that he has for us. So that when we're done with this, all of this stuff that's going on with COVID, we're gonna have a deep love for him because he loves us so much. And I think our lives are gonna be changed. I wanna invite you to that. Less media, more Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to pray for the folks that are in this room right now and those who are on live stream and those who may be watching this later. Lord, I'm praying that they would see and feel and experience your love for them. Lord, I pray that for myself as well, Lord, that it would be transforming in the way that it was transforming for this woman. And God, we're asking that you would move in, in, our, in our hearts and minds. Lord, you are not far off from us. You have visited us and you are with us today by the power of your spirit. You're closer to us today than you were as you walked this earth because you reside in us. Lord, may we see that and feel that and experience that. It's in your name we pray.